That's right, ladies and gentlemen, get out your calculator because we're going we're going into the riveting world of accounting. That's right. It's Rainmaker meets uh, Killing. So uh, we're, of course, talking about the account, the new Ben Affleck movie. So stay tuned here on Anatomy of a Movie. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We've got the full panel today. We've got the great Dimitri Panos back. I'm back again. <laughs> Thank you. Hello, movie fans. Good to be back. And we've got Stephanie Wenger. Hi, guys. And of course, someone who's been holding down the fort for a bit, Marissa Serafini. Hello, everyone. <laughs> and even I myself have kind of made a return. I've uh, been absentee for, for a couple of these, so it's good to be back. It's good to be back in the chair. It's good to be back. Maybe not the greatest movie to be back for, but... Well, it's a good warm-up for when we get to really, really good movies. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, yes, The Account, um, the new Ben Affleck movie, directed by uh, Gavin O'Connor. A uh, couple of things. First off, if you're joining us for the very first time, well, welcome. Um uh, <laughs> You know, uh, a couple of things. Number one, we're very spoiler-filled. Number two, you can always download our rundown in the description, so that way you see all the notes and the things that we discuss. Um, sometimes we don't get to everything, but at least you guys can find the uh, tidbits there um, to supplement what we discuss at length. Um, but anyway, as always, let's get to uh, quick thoughts on the account, starting with Dimitri. Uh, well, you know... Going into this, I, you know, when I'd written my notes, I have to preface by saying, you know, my knee-jerk reaction was I sort of liked the movie. I sort of had some problems with it, uh, but it was only after research and really thinking about it that, um, in the end, this movie ended up making me angry. So uh, now I, I gave you the end, but the beginning is for me the accountant. What did you say your cross was? The Rain Man. Rain, Rain Maker. Rain Man, oh. if he could kill. Grand Man, if he could kill. Okay. So for me, it was like a beautiful mind meets John Wick. Huh. Okay. And, you know, okay, not too shabby. I get it. And and it tries hard to work, but ultimately for me, it falls under its own weight. Um, I think the movie gets a tad bloated in exposition, uh, a very silly, nonsensical resolution. And there's a predictability to it, too, that I found. Uh, and... I just found that there were plot points that were just very silly. Uh, like I said, the ending resolution um, between the accountant and his brother just, like, seemed to... Okay, it just was silly. I didn't, like, really buy it. And there were things in it that were... That I couldn't quite figure out. I think there was a transformation from when this script was picked up. And then it was given to, like, Gavin O'Connor. And there is a really cool history about this script and what happened to it and such, which I appreciate. But I think somewhere along the way, things changed. And maybe not for, definitely not for the best. I think the performances were fine. Uh, I do believe that the actors, they showed up to work. And I liked watching Ben Affleck being a badass outside of the Batman costume thought he was really good and I thought I liked everybody else in the movie uh when we talk about direction and stuff I had some issue with Gavin O'Connor uh as well and he sort of kind of stepped down a lot of notches after researching him in interviews that he gave so but we'll talk about that when we start talking about Gavin O'Connor pacing I thought in the movie was fine action was fine although it didn't bring anything new to the table I've seen it before um 
You've seen a Gatling gun in a, in a closet? Sure, sure. We just saw a Gatling gun in Magnificent Seven. Uh, did, <laughs> but, I, you know, uh, I don't know. I, the, the, we, like I said, John Wick, we saw a lot of action there. And to me, this was very similar. In fact, Marissa, when we talked John Wick, we talked about, you talked about the repetitivity of two shots to the chest, one in the head. Shots to the chest, one in the head. Occasionally in this movie, they, they, they varied it up or he'd give two shots to the head, just to make sure. But, you know, but it was fun watching Ben Affleck be a badass. Well, that's, you know, just like any great sports team, uh, the best teams do the simple things really well. Yes. <laughs> so two shots to the chest, one shot to the head. Yes. That's it. <laughs> it's efficient. <laughs> Stephanie. I really am a huge fan of Ben Affleck. I think he's really interesting as a director and an actor, and his career is something that's very impressive to me. So I went in hopeful about this movie, and I thought he gave a great performance along with Anna Kendrick. I really enjoyed, especially their scenes together. What didn't work for me in this movie was that I felt like I was watching three separate movies. So we have flashbacks from when he was a child to what kind of the first half of the movie is to the second half of the movie, and I just wanted them to kind of make a choice of what story they were telling and i would have been fine with almost any of the three but i just needed them to make a choice what was the third um so it kind of felt like a money ball-esque like um more about numbers and all of that in the first half and then the second half was like a violent almost action a lot of it had a lot of action to it and then you had the flashbacks so to me those were three separate films in a lot of ways and I just wanted them to kind of make a choice in the story uh-huh. yeah. Marissa yeah I kind of agree along those lines but I found the, the problem with it was we lost Marissa's mic there we yeah she's back <laughs> I, I found it was a problem I think we still lost it the genre. Here, hold on. there we go <laughs> right, start start from the start, Marissa. Okay, I felt that there was problems with the different genres. Like it, this film didn't know what it was supposed to be. Was it drama? Was it action? Was it a mental thriller kind of? And I felt like it's the pacing was kind of my issue. Like I didn't at some points it was too slow. Like okay, I get what's happened. You said uh, a little overload on exposition. That was like a ten minute exposition that we could have easily figured out within two minutes, and then. The, I, I had the issues of, like, was it a drama or was it action? Like, or was it comedy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were some comedic moments, but, like, I felt a lot of things didn't match up tonally that it showed. Yeah. Uh, well, part of me... Okay, Ben Affleck has a movie coming out that he's directing. I thought this was that movie. <laughs> so I went into it. <laughs> completely <laughs> wrong until you saw the trailer for the actual movie that he's directing because well, I, I saw I, it in front of this when I saw the movie I didn't, I, oh okay I didn't yeah. see that one so um yeah it um you know I went into a false pretense uh, and uh you know I mean overall I was kind of intrigued initially and then it just it, it, it just started dwindling down from there more and more so um which is a shame. I, th- I think there's elements in this movie that I really liked, um, but overall, it just too many elements combined to make a bad thing. Mm. You know, and, and it, it's really sad. You know, I do think, uh, to your point, Dimitri, in terms of the actors showing up to work, what I can appreciate, uh, you know, I think there's times when, you know, certain actors, like, there's only a vision that a director can get, you know, and the actors kind of have to trust them, and, and they're like, okay, we don't get this, but we're going along for the ride. And I think maybe they thought, 
um, this was going to be like, hey, I, I'm going to be on board with this because this could be fantastic. I just may not 100% get it, but if this is the way I'm told to do it, I'm in, um, which is great to, to hear and, 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 and whatnot. But uh, ultimately, yeah, I think the story never really hits in mm. the way that perhaps people were intending. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, you know, I agree. I agree. Um, I will say this because you brought up um, Anna Kendrick. And again, I, I had no problem with the performances. However, that relationship seemed a little uncomfortable to me at times. She seemed too far young. too young for him. Yeah. And what they were almost trying to set up, but it didn't go that route. Like, it, I don't know. I mean, there was obviously a bond between this two. And it almost seemed like they wanted to set up something a little bit more, but it didn't go that way. Or we don't... You know, if there's subsequent movies, we don't know whether there'll be individual chapters or it'll be an ongoing thing. There were times where I felt he's just it's he's just way too old for her. Like and she seemed yeah. young to me. And I liked her, you know, and and I'm becoming with Anna Kendrick, the more I see her, like I go you know, maybe you can call it like a little bit of a crush. I mean, I'm enjoying seeing her and she can play comedy, she can sing. <laughs> She can play drama. She can play mm-hmm. horror. Like, she's... I, I think she's a good actress. And again, to no fault of anybody, everybody showed up to work and did what they did, and they did it pretty well. Uh, I just felt their relationship was a little creepy. Yeah, I agree, and I'm glad it didn't go there, because I think there was a shot where, like, maybe she went in, she almost went in for a kiss, and then, of course, something happened. That's yeah. that, that dramatic moment. But I'm glad it didn't go there, because, yeah, it was awkward, because it just didn't... The It's like... It's not like they didn't have chemistry because they obviously kind of gelled mm-hmm. well together, yeah. but they just didn't fit together. I, I agree with you on the romantic front. Like, I wouldn't have wanted it to go there. Um, but I did think, as two actors, they did their scenes very well together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I didn't feel that, like, awkward. I, I got why they were friends and what made sense. But, yeah, if they pushed that romantic line and I was like, oh, don't kiss him, like, that, that would have changed the entire thing for me. Yeah, and it goes along with the trope of, like, the whole age difference again. Like, you have your leading male protagonist, and then you have to have the younger piece of ass next to him. And I'm like, I just I can't stand that trope anymore. It's tired. Yeah, I, I, I never saw her as a piece of ass. Well, you know I, what like, I mean. I, never saw, like, like, I, I love I Anna Kendrick, her. but, like, yeah. to have the older male pairing with a younger woman again and again, time over time. Time and time again, it's just it's old. Well, I, 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 I get I, it, but I'm, I, I do. I want to specify that I looked at Anna Kendrick's character being a smart female character. She, her character, was the one in the first place who was able to figure this out, and she has brains about herself. She has self-effacing. I found her to be a, a good character. I didn't see her to be fluff, trivialized, or a piece of ass to to to, to bet. Oh to yeah, bet I'm not with. saying like she you know? wasn't important. I love yeah. Anna Kendrick, and yeah. I think her role was definitely integral. But just the whole pattern of, okay, mm-hmm. we have a male protagonist. Let's pair him with a younger woman again, mm-hmm. just I for think, story. But unlike most, it did under the context because to have someone older, right? Um, they would have too much experience in this role, right? She's newer to the job, newer to. You know, just just having a career in general, and so for her, it, it makes it's a much greater accomplishment to find this out um, versus if she was, let's say, in her forties, mm-hmm. because then it's like, oh, of course, and the, and then she, and then and then it would have gone the other round of like, well, why can't she figure it out on her own? Right. No, agreed. And and he was brought in to try to 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 corroborate what was he was brought in as a consulting accountant, I guess. 
to corroborate what what her findings were. But you know, she just couldn't take it to that next step to figure out what it was. And then he goes through his beautiful mind, writing everything and writing in every mm-hmm. room and the windows and such. Um, you know, which again was again I'm thinking this is right out of a beautiful mind. <laughs> I was like, you know, they even had the sweeping orchestral score as he's doing it, and then you know, I don't know, about Whole half montage. Hour, yeah, you know, half hour forty minutes later, he's uh, karateing and shooting people in the head, and you know, this is a weird juxtaposition. <laughs> I Very do, much so. Yeah, I do think if you had an older female, you would end up with a different relationship. You would have them be somewhat competitive, and she, like, potentially it would go more that direction. And I don't know if that would make it better or worse. I, I That would be an interesting way of, of taking it. But certainly in this, they wanted it's it to... It's called Gone Girl. Yeah. Go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Two smart people, same yeah. age. Yeah. 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 That just hate each other. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I don't enjoy the word frenemies, but in some ways that's what it would be. Like, oh, we have similar interests, but, like, we're competitive and, yeah. So. Um, let's take a step back, though, because um, obviously we mentioned that the story of the script itself is very interesting. The development of the script is very interesting. And um, I think all four of us collectively have, have, have pieced together a bit of it. Um, so I do want to talk about it because... Um, you know, it, w- it was on the blacklist um, for quite a bit and, uh, back in 2011. Um, you know, and then it just kind of... I, I By the way, I, I like the fact that... Uh, I, I'd like to do a full number count, but this year alone, we've, we've talked about blacklist scripts a lot sure. that mm-hmm. actually got made. Now, hey. I'd like to compare it to the number of blacklist scripts that don't get made, yeah. but it's good to see that at least we're making some of them. Yeah, and they're trying to be, at the, at the very least, they're trying to be original, uh, you know, to an extent. I, I just found, I really, in, in, in researching this, I did find the history of it uh, uh, fascinating because it involved everything. It involved talent and picking out the script. Then it involved studio politics. Then it involved, then it got deeper into studio politics with regime change and then dumping the movie. And the movie, it, it, that to me is the fascinating Hollywood story because these things happen, but when it's brought up to light on this and somebody like um, Gavin was, was willing to talk about it, it, it really does show the difficulty and red tape. That yeah, for you it's a fascinating story. If you're in the done. middle of that, no, you're like frustrated I, as all hell. Like, no, what the I, I hell? <laughs> no, and, and but how many times do we talk about a movie? It takes a long time for the process, and it goes through if at all. And there are many cooks in the kitchen who have their ideas of what they want to do, and then things change, and they die within the studio. Somebody who is hot and big is no longer with the studio anymore. Goodbye to all of his projects. You know, stuff like that. And this is one of those scripts that went through a lot of different hands. It was even tried to be made independently. Yeah. So, you know, those are fascinating. I can see how it's frustrating uh, for for the creative people, for for Gavin O'Connor. You know, but it had a happy ending for him eventually because he got to direct it. So I'm just happy with the product. Yeah. What about you guys? Um, anything to add to that? I think it's interesting how it's just started off at the the concept of oh, how do we have an accountant who also does you know who, who you know goes out and kills as well, um, but then like the fact that they had to twist it to make it oh, if he was high functioning autistic, 
make it more interesting. Just like changing of just the character development to make it more interesting story. And you said studio politics, but like also just political correctness as well. It's like, is it really autism? Is it Asperger's? Like how far on the spectrum is he to make it in a riveting enough story to make a whole film? Well, that's what I, when I was talking about the three stories, you essentially have these flashbacks to explain that part of the story, then you have the killing aspect, and then you have the accountant aspect. And it's an interesting guy, like, that creates an interesting character, but I just wanted it kind of, I guess, in a different format, and um, in uh, the development of it, I, I do think it's interesting that it was on the blacklist for so long, and as you mentioned, all the studio politics that went along with this movie... Um, I felt like in some ways it came out being a, and this is such a, like, a sad comparison, but it's what I thought about when I was watching the movie, like a Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Like, a, mm-hmm. they, that's what they were, like, aiming for with it. I'm not sure if they got there, but it was, like, these kind of, like, dual, like, oh, they have this life and this life. And that's what I saw with the accountant. Like, they wanted you to think he has this quiet life, but then he also kills. I thought, the problem for me, um, there's just, like, if you guys ever saw Equilibrium, right? It's a very early on Christian Bale type of movie, oh, yeah. similar to The Matrix. But um, they're, they're programmed to fight as human beings based on kind of mathematical outcomes. And this guy being, you know, smart with math, you would, you know, we see him with the sniper rifle and he's kind of calculating things like that. But it, there's just a slight disconnect in terms of how he, you know, that basically uses the same principles in accounting to actually kill. And I know they kind of hint at it, but I think it could have gone a little bit further. Well, I, I mean, I, I only will take it the, 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 that one step further is that it's um, because also the movie does bring up uh, a nature versus nurture kind of a thing. So, you know, there was a whole thing in flashback where we're learning about his, you know, mother, father, two brothers. And, you know, he the one brother has this autism. And then we learn that, you know, the mother more or less abandons them. And, you know, the father is, he has to raise two kids, one who has this affliction, and he does it in the best way that he knows how. Um, Not necessarily the right way, but this is a military man, and it is brought up, and it's said in exposition, hey, we've moved around a lot, we're army brats with this, and he was a strict, you know, military form guy and his reasoning was look he's got this problem but we have to overcome this problem and by such and such training we can at least contain the problem work out that aggression or whatever so i i did get the sense that his being able to shoot his his adeptness at with using his hands as weapons came all from his dad growing up um to one way shape or form um, now, had he been brought up by his mom or left at the the, the, the the hospital or that care center, he would have grown up to be, maybe he would have just been an accountant, <laughs> you know? Then then we got a boring story. So I, I just think that having the dad, and, and again, whether you agree with or not, I didn't think they disrespected. This was just the only choice that the dad had and he tried to do his best. There was no lack of love for his sons, uh, I believe. This was just, he was so military. This was his course of 
raising children and raising someone with an affliction to try to overcome or at least live with it. I think I, I get your point, um, and it's one of those things that you know sympathy is optional, but empathy is a must. Mm-hmm. And I think I think a lot of people probably had a hard time being empathetic towards him. And if you can't have that towards the, the father, father, yeah, and it, you know where because that directly affects your main character. Uh, who you might have empathy for, but again, because un- unless you have, uh, you know, you've kind of gone through this condition or you know people, it might, there's a disconnect there too. So it's something that's very difficult to kind of latch onto, and, and, and I don't know. And that's understood. And they, character. in what I least respect is they sort of, well, not sort of, they went into it knowing that there could be a little bit of backlash regarding the way that the father rose it. And, you know, I mean, We've seen movies where a parental unit is is very abusive to their children. I didn't find him to be abusive. I found this training to be sort of kind of like Bruce Wayne Batman kind of training. Albeit Bruce Wayne wasn't trained by his dad, but it's just like, okay, again. All right, I know you're beat again. And the father just was instilling this, this type of systematic way to help treat his son because it was the only way he knew and they never they never say it's right or wrong and i can get people how there could be a pushback to it i i understand that you know me per i didn't see i didn't make the father to be a villain in this movie so to speak um well it also doesn't help that kind of your first scene we were joking about it before we started the um you know the heavy metal and and, and the shins and whatnot like it almost seems like a self mutilation scene, so we're kind of t- we start there and then we're taken into this. So uh, it doesn't help that that's the first sort of visual that we see of this because it's not something that we're used to. It's it's no different than um, what's the uh, Robert Langdon movies where where you know people are like whipping themselves on their on their uh, backs because God told the them self flagellation. To. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wondered if anyone noticed this is slightly related to this, um, where they clearly defined that it was autism at the beginning of the film, and Mm -hmm. they did that in multiple ways, but also um, there's like a puzzle piece that he has, and I think that that's the symbol uh, for autism is like a puzzle piece um, that, like, that's what they put on all of their like, uh, charity things and what have you. And I thought that it was interesting that they wanted to make that so clear and, like, that's the symbol for autism and, and that they did that. Well, Gavin O'Connor, in many interviews, he explains that he wanted this movie to be a puzzle. Yeah. He wanted this movie to be a puzzle where different, where you're going to get, where you get different pieces, yeah. much like your three stories, yeah. where you get the the flashback sequence, you get the accountant sequence, you get the J.K. Simmons uh, bringing up, you know, either mentoring or doing testing this field agent, uh, and then you get the actual, you know, what the accountant's doing. You get this whole other side, and he wanted the audience to put pieces of these puzzles together so that at the towards the end you get a, a bigger Here, scope of story. Here's my quote for the poster: "That's all well and good. However, make sure you don't mix up." Um, three different puzzles that have missing pieces already. Uh, I, hey, I, I'm, 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 you know what I mean? I'm like, what the hell kind of puzzle is this? What's no, the I'm picture? I'm not defending plot points in this. I'm just like, I know it's it's interesting that you brought up puzzle. Yeah, I mean, and, I, and I think that that was a conscious 
Well, I mean, it's interesting that you say that because you're absolutely right. It has to do with a puzzle. Story-wise, I think it is a puzzle. Autism, like, there's multiple reasons for this simple puzzle piece at the beginning of the film. Right. And when you look at it, that's really interesting that they, that's some great, like, planning on their part. Yeah. Marissa? Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I like the flashbacks, and I, like, I'm actually a big fan of flashbacks if they're done well, and I think it was good character building, we definitely understand where he came from and how he grew up, and then, you know, juxtaposed to the today, when he's doing the, that self-inflicting pain, and I, I think it was just to show that he is not at the point where he's just conditioning himself to, like, sensory overload. Mm. Because in the early flashbacks, they said he he's not tolerant of light, he's not tolerant right. of noise, he's not tolerant to pain. And those were the three things he was doing in his mental routine of just conditioning himself to get used to it. So I understood, like, that will probably play in part later on when a lot of things happen, that he's used to it and he's conditioned. So, like, I, I get it. But, I mean... I'm not sure if other people did. Well, here's my thing. I it, it, like, I didn't. Like, I was wondering what's going on here. Not not so much, like, the, well, the strobe light, the loud music, but it was using the, I don't know if that was a rolling pin, but I'm going to call it a rolling pin and such. But uh, apparently it is a, a legitimate type of uh, training. It is a type of, uh, I don't think, it, I'm, I'm not sure of the exact uh, hand-to-hand training Jiu-jitsu, I don't think, is it, but there is a, an actual type of training, and what he was doing with the roller was actually building up scar tissue scar on tissue, his yeah. leg, and, and I'm like, well, that would have been sort of nice to know. Oh. Like, it's called Penkatsalat. Okay. It's an Indonesian martial art form, yeah. but that was when the fighting... Yeah, when they were kids, we didn't know that. No, we didn't. We didn't know that, and we didn't know, and I did not know that that was a training technique. To like, you're he was listening to loud music because it was something that he didn't like uh, the the lights, but the rolling was building up scar tissue so that if he were to be kicked somewhere in the leg or whatever, he wouldn't feel it. It was to it was a strength. It was a strength conditioning training. Yeah, I saw so it I didn't as know any of like, that. <laughs> no, I saw it as all sensory overloads because if you think about it, it's the vision, it's the pain, and it's a sense of touch, sense of vision, and sense of hearing. What, what's interesting is with the rolling pin, I interpreted it because I didn't realize that either until I was doing the research, that it would be um, like re- releasing muscle tension. You know how like at the gym, <laughs> like, massage, you, yeah, like yeah, yeah, you like roll on, uh, yeah, sure. it, like, yeah, like rollers you have at the gym and that you would like release muscle tension and he was releasing like tension in that way with this I, I didn't know what the exactly that's interesting though that it was scar tissue yeah it was to build up scar tissue and then we, once he was done with it and he allowed himself one minute after 10 o'clock p.m. to take his Zoloft mm-hmm. you know and it was all about getting to one minute past 10 so he could take his Zoloft here's the like in a way when I first saw that it reminded me of um, uh, the big short uh, oh, Christian yeah, Bale's yeah. character um, because he was similar in the sense he was a very smart guy, numerous guy, um, and listened to loud music. He um, drummed. Very and drummed, loudly, yeah. Uh, and the, the problem I guess I have ultimately is that, um, you know, I don't think they mistreated the character. However, if if there was a point to um, sort of educate us on what autism is and how to perhaps deal with it, none of that really came to light. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you walk away understanding this condition any better. 
and uh, you know, it's definitely a case study of like one guy. I like if they wanted it to be a more generalized thing about autism, they definitely didn't get there. Yeah, right. well, for me, I was. If it becomes how to treat it, then it becomes a different movie. I don't think they disrespected it. Mm-hmm. I don't think like I think, and and I know that both Gavin O'Connor, but particularly Ben Affleck, did a lot of research in 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 autism, and I don't think they disrespected it. I don't. I didn't come out things thinking that a it was poked fun of, that it was misrespected in any way, that it that it you know poked or made any satire against. You know, they just set up the character to be this way. I don't think it was setting up to, 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 to uh, be a drama that's going to showcase autism. Because how can you have a drama and then mix it in with, and then have it be an action movie? They were really trying to tie in a lot but of the, things the, <laughs> that you, you, you know, you either are going to go one way or the other. But this is the way, the best way that this movie can work. I don't want it to be necessarily a movie about autism, and I don't think that Ben Affleck's character disrespected for those people who I, made I don't it think happen. he did, but the fact that they went a little bit too serious, again, we, we joke about the Gatling gun, but when that thing came down, everyone laughed. Yes. Yeah. And um, let, let's talk about the brother a little bit, because at the end, what perhaps should have been a very serious and tender moment was like, oh, geez. And this is, uh, you know, I've not seen all of uh, Gavin O'Connor's movies, but this is like a trope. For Uh, him. And that's why I have a feeling he changed. Like, I do know that there were changes done to the script. And you're right. And when we talk about a trope, this is Warrior. This is Warrior, in a sense, all over again. And, uh, yeah. Them being being brothers in particular. Well, can can we... Did you figure this out? I Am I the only one who figured yeah. this out right from the beginning? Oh, like, oh. oh yeah. We I all know. Yeah. But, like, but the thing is, it's like, there's so many flashbacks, and the brother is always literally right next to him in the flashbacks. And then when we get to today, we're like, where's the brother? He's eventually going to show up. Yeah, and, and he had similar training. It's just, but, but we never get any background about the brother. Like, we don't know who the hell he's like. Who who assigns him to this company? The, the, this robotics company, like, how does he get his jobs? And it would, yeah, the ending to me was just like, they're, they're like, hey, bro, are we good? Yeah, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll look for you. And I'm like, really? Because he, you know, he was trying to kill you knowing you were <laughs> you were his brother, and he sent his whole army of men after you, and it was just, yeah, I, I was unclear whether or not he actually knew. He knew. Yeah. No, well, well, I thought he knew. Once he saw him, he was like. Well, once he saw once him. Once he saw him, he actually called off the guys and he went in by himself. So okay. I I actually don't think he knew okay. because they, they, there were so many moments they're like, where is he? Where is he? They right. actually didn't have any visual cues That's on him because he was slipping true. through the house. Yeah. Remember, his number so. one his number one uh, superpower was being in photographs without seeing his face. Right. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> sort of amazing. Too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the equalizer. Just made me think of the equalizer. Yeah, but, but like I, I figured, he eventually found out it was his brother because there was that whole moment when he was looking at the screen. He's like, corrected. "Oh man, the color just drains out of yeah. his face," and I was like, "Oh shit, they're brothers." <laughs> um, what? Okay, but what did you guys think of that scene? Again, I what was for me supposed to be a tender scene? It was just so odd. For me, I wanted this to have some sort of like. I think at the end he's like, I'll, I'll come find you or whatever. Like, I don't know where I'll be, but I'll come find you. And I just was like, 
it just didn't have a resolution to me. And some movies don't, but this, I really, for this particular movie, wanted a resolution. I wanted, I hate to say it, but, like, the bow on that story. Well, there was. It was I like, agree. yeah, we're good. It's like, after all that, but, but I felt like John Lithgow's character. <laughs> like, first off, John Lithgow's, like, he's, like, watching all this, like, play out in a monitor, and, like, the look on his face was sort of kind of like, I was like going, what the fuck is going on here? It's like, what's happening? What? They're brothers. What? And I'm like, well, I knew they're brothers, and this is just dope. I gotta I got put a stop. Like, and, what is happening? And maybe that's, like, if they were assuming you didn't know that they were brothers, which would be interesting. <laughs> like, yeah, but, like, okay, so, like, if, but then maybe it is a more emotional scene if you hadn't realized that, but I don't know how you wouldn't have. <laughs> like, but even, even, even if we knew, it could have still been an emotional scene. True, like, I don't, I don't think... You know, that that's the beauty, uh, you know, dramatic irony um, is great because it can kind of work in that favor and you're like, oh, wow, this makes sense. But here's the thing. Him telling him, like, um, hey, don't worry, I'll find you. It's one of those things where you say to, like, a villain that you absolutely hate, not your brother where you're trying to have somewhat of a nice moment of, like, yeah, yeah we'll get, like, I, I, don't, I don't know how to explain it, but there's that, there, like, you're trying to be a dick, basically, when you say that. But it's the I'm brother going to go. Back to being an assassin? Is he like, like, again, I only knew of the brother that he was an enforcer. And, and it was really weird to me that, with the exception of um, John Lithgow's sister, that everybody else he just beat up a lot. One guy he forced to, to inject to, to the inject CFO. The, the, right, the CFO. And, but she was the only one that he used a gun on. Which was which happened off camera. Um, I found that to be very interesting, but I didn't know his background enough other than he's going to be the antagonist to our protagonist. They're brothers. They're going to come to the end. They're going to fight in one way, shape, or form. And then when all is said and done, he's going to go, okay, well, you can just let him go. Don't worry about, you know, my job is to protect him. But go ahead and we good, bro? Yeah, we're good. All right, I'll find you. All right, I'll see you next week. Remember in 22 Jump Street when Jonah Hill's like, are you Mr. Mister, and Mrs. Smithing me? Like, it felt like that moment of like, they were, but in a weird way because they're brothers and it's not supposed to be sexual or weird or anything. Well, but. I think that it's also one of those things where with all those flashbacks with the brother, there were like moments where I was like, oh, they, they're leading me to want to cry at some point in this movie with those flashbacks. Like, I was like, I, I will get there, it'll happen, and it never did because that's not the direction they took it. But um, with that kind of reunion at the end, you, you might even, if you had orchestrated the story in a slightly different way, get somebody to tears. It just, it, but it, for me, emotionally, it just didn't work. Yeah, I agree. There was no resolution, and the fact that it just ended... And then I really don't really remember all the rest of it because it it was like, okay, we're brothers, we're good. And then, like, you had the three-minute montage at the end. And they were like, okay, we're ending the movie. Yeah. I don't know if they ran out of money or they I just wanted can't it to can't imagine that with it, that budget. Well, it's funny because Gavin O'Connor has said, um, uh, he said, well, a budget informs certain things, but I wanted to keep this movie grounded, he goes on. To say, and he said, we never touched the puzzle elements of the script. Um, that was all there and perfectly calibrated. Uh, he said, we did some character work. Action and flashbacks were changed with the writer. So he went in and obviously, I, I would like to see what the original script was. Like, were they even brothers? Was there a brother in the original script? Um, 
did they become did they come to hate one another um you know obviously the brother had issues with the dad i actually thought that that was a funny moment when the mother's leaving them and like the brother's at the window and he just gives like she looks up and gives <laughs> the finger i thought that was funny then the whole thing at the funeral like you could the one person who wasn't at the funeral was uh Barenthal's character the brother but the father and Ben Affleck, the accountant, show up. And, you know, and then uh, all, all hell ensues there. But that was a major... That, that's what ripped apart the relationship between the two brothers. It's like, how could you do that? How could you go to the thing? It's your fault that dad's dead. Um, you know. Here's the... Not to be an asshole, and I don't know this for <laughs> sure. However, to just say, like, oh, we wrote, rewrote it with the writer. Like, I, there's plenty of times when executives are otherwise... At, you know, and I know this... Uh, from John Comerford, a lot of his writing, there was like a Vietnam story that, um, a period piece that they um, wrote, not John necessarily directly, but friends of his, and the executives are like, oh, this is great, but uh, for tax purposes, can we make this whole story in Louisiana? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, the, 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 the story, like, that's a complete rewrite, and yet they had to rewrite it with the writers. Right. That's just your job. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that's 100% the case. I don't know. Again, just I mean, I don't know if we want to go into Gavin O'Connor, but he... well, let's 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 not quite yet okay. uh, because if we do, it opens it. I want to talk about the uh, the MacGuffin of all of this. The uh, the you know we've talked about John Lithgow and and the whole sort of well the accounting error essentially. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, as much exposition as we got, I'm still very confused as to what the hell we're trying to solve. Yeah, all I understand was that, and I don't do numbers whatsoever, so just as this is coming from a viewer's perspective. What <laughs> I understood and took out of this film is that money is missing, and they're trying to figure out who took the money, or like who skimmed the money off the top, and then they found out it was themselves who tried to like recycle it back in, in a, a nefarious way, I guess. And but to escape taxes, yeah, and to so they could make the um, company public. Yeah, I believe was the like they wanted more. They were money. cooking the books. Is basically right. they were cooking yeah. the books to get a higher stock price. Yeah, to take the the company global. Yeah, like they took the money out just to put it back in to make it seem like oh yeah we actually are increasing like we're gaining more money. But they, they but it's actually audited, their own money. They audited themselves and found an error themselves. Like it, that's well, what it, didn't make any sense to me. You know, you you have accountants and such, and I'm not sure that they were auditing themselves. I think that the way the, the I could be completely wrong. The way I sort of interpreted it was Anna Kendrick's character found this mistake, and she doesn't quite know what she just found a big large sum of cash that didn't match up with what she had in front of her. And she didn't even know where it came from. She didn't know where this money was missing from. There was just a chunk of money and she brought it up to a supervisor who brought it up to this and said, okay, well, we gotta... They had to do their... At that point, they had to do their due diligence and this was the start of one puzzle. Right. So this was my kind of question in... So if you were doing that, and as the president of the company, I assume you do know that you're you're changing numbers to make it work for yourself. Wouldn't you be getting somebody in who is not that great of an accountant who probably couldn't solve it? And they're like, somehow misdirecting it back to Anna Kendrick's character, like some mistake she made. Like, 
you would somehow be... That's A, or B, someone that can help cook the books in your favor. (laughs) Right. Which which I think is what initially he was supposed to do, because that's what he was doing for for the mob. Like, he was being sent to... He was being sent to... And this is the whole thing. Like, I'm not sure he's a good guy or a bad guy. Because he was basically... His job was... He would get his marching orders to go cook the books for nefarious companies that needed help in accounting to hide certain monies and make it not look that way. He was sent to this robotics firm because there was a problem. And he just took it as... Well, wait a minute. What's going on here? There's a much bigger problem, and he was more once once they once he corroborated that there was money missing. They didn't allow him to go further, but he knew that there was something. Something's not right, and that's why he was so ticked off. Well, autism and whatnot is like I, I want to finish. I want to finish, and they had to uh, get rid of loose ends, and hence the assassin comes into play. That's the way I looked at it. Oh, very common. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I saw it as like they hired him just for um, pretenses and mm-hmm. to look like that they were doing their job, and then then they realized that oh like oh he actually figured it out he's going to find out more about us and then they cut him off. Yeah, because he's the one that found out. Well, yeah, they They're got like, rid okay. of the money, but the money's coming back. Yeah, like he knows too much now. Now we actually have to cut him off. Right. Imagine the best in the business actually figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on! That's to Stephanie's point. Get a shit bag. Well, you know, there's that. I mean, one of my, my, again, one of the other stories that we haven't really touched upon yet is the whole J.K. Simmons as Ray King and um, uh, uh, Mary Beth Medina. Uh, This This was, okay. Now, this was was playing out. I was like going, when it first played out, he calls her into his office and he says, okay. You know, he's working for the Treasury Department. He's the he's numero uno in the Treasury Department. And he calls this girl out and says, look, you, you've you been doing a fine job. How come you don't want promotion? How come you don't want, well, you know, I also know you're a liar. And then he brings up all this stuff about her past history. And I'm like, going, wait a minute. Aren't you working for, like, the Treasury Department? Like, they vet this shit out. Yeah. Like, even as as good as you might be at trying to hide this, they're supposed to be better. But, okay, I'm just going to go along with the movie. He has her. It's 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 a form of extortion in a sense. You're going to work for me. You're only going to direct to me. And I'm, like, going, okay, this can't be. At first, I was like, this can't be good. This shouldn't well end well for her. And then we find or out. Or him. Or him. And then we find out it's, like, an elaborate test. Right? right? It's an elaborate test. Okay, that's fine. I get it. Nice twist. But here's my deal. This elaborate twist just gave up your accountant. You Like, who was supposed to be secret, you just gave up that there's somebody out there to the FBI. So whether they know, whether they can track this, they've just brought it to light. Like, they find his house. With the Gatling gun and an array of weapons, and your test literally vetted out this guy. So even if the FBI might have a hard time finding him because he's so good at hiding, they know he now exists. And all they have to do is use uh, uh, Medina's notes to try to track him down. (laughs) I'm like, well, that was a great test, guys. (laughs) 
<laughs> you just vetted out the one guy that you're supposed to be working with and helping out. Uh-huh. I, it's I the know. government. They don't do the best well, work. Also, that storyline felt like such like a... I hate to say it, like an F storyline to me out of all of these storylines. You're like, okay, so you're getting down. And you have J.K. Simmons. Like, that was upsetting to me. Like, I feel like he is so great, like, underutilized in this movie. He's a good actor. Again, I just didn't... I, again, I, I felt he he didn't show up for a paycheck. I think he showed up to work. I think oh, he was I think fine. He, I think he was great in the you parts know? that he was in. Yeah. But if you have him, why not... Like give him more than than what this we're was. We're all over the place. We don't. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> as much things. as I love him, we don't need him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, too many things. And Fair. they were actually filming this like during the the whiplash, you know, phenomenon. Yeah, uh, part of the year. But but I thought like this story. Yeah, it was definitely a sub story. Um, but I mean, in a way, kind of helped. I just didn't really understand the stakes in it. Like we get it. She's she's being extorted to like okay. She's going to figure this out, but eventually just the viewers are going to figure this out. But my thing is, like, I don't get why J.K. Simmons' character was so adamant in catching him. Yeah, I know the flashbacks in the whole exposition scene was like, he actually let me go one time, and because of him, I'm still alive. But, like, but you're so adamant in catching him, what are you expecting to do? Kill him at the I end? I don't think he was adamant in catching him. I think it was all, like, part of the test, because... He was, he gained fortune and, and a bit of fame and his, and his rise to the top because of him and let's call it a cabal that he is a part of that J.K. Simmons is now, that character is now a part of because they can route information to him so that he can make the big treasury arrests where it's needed. Because they know what's going on. They are plugged in. They do know where the money is. And in fact, that's the whole thing. That's a much more interesting is, movie to me. Well, but... By the way. Just, no, just, but <laughs> that's what I... That's what they... Again, I think they just attempted so many things. He's head of treasury. He's Elliot Ness. This cabal is working on... They have this accountant guy who's a good assassin... They, they they induct the head of the treasury so they can they can feed him information that otherwise he'd be unable to get. Ba- you know they're not this little cabal. They're they're not on the up and up. Let's say so he can't say where he's getting his information from. It's so it's more li- it's more like go find him. So I I always have tabs on him and he can find all the bad guys for me. Pretty much that, that that's like we're gonna feed you information. You can arrest these people. We're not going to do it in a way that you would like us to do this job, but we'll do it. We'll help you. You just have to work together with us. And then I, you know, I'm going to be retiring. I need to find somebody new. Here's a test. I want you to try to track down this this, this person. She does, and she does so good that now the FBI are involved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that that that's like wow. That's that's great. Like, yeah, but, but like. Uh- I still don't really understand, like, the need for the personal connection. like The personal connection between... Between him and the accountant. I, I think it could be, like, anyone in that position is just so adamant of finding someone I, that's good at their job. I don't think there needed to be that personal connection in an exposition. I, I need think, trust. Yeah, I think, I think the connection comes, and it was... Because since we talked about the father and upbringing, 
when he had the gun to his head, the question was, you know, he talked about how you good at your job. It's like, no, actually, I suck. You know, whatever. He goes, uh, you know, and then he says, I'm a father. And then it goes on, it's, are you a good father? And he goes, that's the one thing I am good at. I'm good at being a dad. And you can take it as Ben Affleck going, well, I had a dad who tried and you're a good dad. Okay. I don't think you're that bad of a cop because you at least found me. You at least found this. You were tracking this. Maybe you could do good. You know, I, I think he was recruited from that one Gambino family incident that only happened because of pure circumstance of when Ben Affleck was in prison and whatever was going on. So, these are all, all things that are coming to light <laughs> that are in the movie. They're Not there. Cool. You really have to... It was a movie that had, talk. like, too much. I mean, yes, we can was... follow it, but I think they tried too much. If they took out, like, one story, I think we would have been fine. Like I said, it falls under its own weight. No. And it, it, you know, albeit people are good in it, it just it bit off way more than so, it could chew. Let's talk and about Gavin. Let's talk about yeah. Gavin. He's he's the director, and oftentimes, you know, we, we put the director as the auteur and, and whatnot. Um, but he did shoulder a lot of this, and uh, even more so, perhaps, uh, based on a quote that you interpret to Matry. Well, you know, he. When he gets Ben Affleck, uh, I'm trying to find the quote. I'm just going back. He's, um, when he finally gets Ben Affleck, he, he went on to say, in not just one interview, I found, it, I found this in a couple of uh, interviews, he basically sat him down and he said, you know, we can only have one director on set at any given time. Like, so he understands that Ben Affleck's a really good storyteller, good director. He also understands that he's an actor. He really felt that he would be right for this part. But then for, 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 for Gavin to sit him down and say, there can only be one director on the set. I just want to make it, he said, I want to make it clear that there's only one director on the set. And to me, I just found that, that to be, and of course Ben Affleck was like, dude, this is your film. Like, you know, I'm going to do this, you know, whatever, whatever you want, what you want. I, I'm, I'm on board already. Um, your movie, I'm not going to, uh, you know, I'm not going to interject. I'm not going to cause a problem. But to me, it was a lack of either a experience from Gavin O'Connor's side. I found it to be uh, disrespectful. I mean, when you look at resumes and you punch up Ben Affleck as a director, when you look at Ben Affleck, just forget about his acting. When you look at him as a director, Gone Baby Gone, The Town, Argo. I mean, this guy has, he's made three solid movies in which he's directed he's made very good stories you know he has a good he already has a good resume for being a director whoever thought he would be a good director mm -hmm. yeah, yeah and i think it's also important to note an equally impressive acting true well, like, i was gonna get to yeah yeah absolutely. i mean and it's one of those things where he knows what he's signing up to do i would imagine whether that is acting or directing and he I imagine is very professional on set. We've never heard anything else, so no. I and when you talk about acting, and as a screenwriter, he's got an Academy Award for screenwriting. Argo won Best Picture, even though he wasn't nominated as Best Director. But he's got a cachet, and so for Gavin O'Connor, who basically has one movie under his belt that people seem to really like, and that movie was Warrior. For him to even sit down and have that, con like I would be the guy that said. 
Ben, thank you so much. You know, it means so much to me and the team that you're here. We understand. Listen, we want to make the best movie together. Let's 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 do this movie. And I'm sure Ben Affleck has complete respect and he's going to do his job. All I can think about was I can think about Steven Spielberg. And this is going way back, but you know, he directed Francois Truffaut in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And I'm willing to bet that Steven Spielberg just had jaws under his belt. I'm sure he didn't go in with a hubris going, Mr. Truffaut, I, we only have room for one director on the set here. You know, I, I'm sure that I, never I happened. Well, like, I, go ahead, Marcel. Oh, I'll I, let you. I, I was just going to say, it's like, I can understand where it comes from. I don't think of it as, like, insecurity. I mean, it might be a little insecurity, but I don't, I think it was more like one professional to another. Because I know so many people that I could go up to and be like, hey, this is something I'm working on don't like and like just like personalities wise it's per more of a personality check. Just like make sure your work is focused on the acting and not the directing. I and therefore I, we won't butt heads during this production creatively. I, I, you know, I, I sort of get that, but you to an extent like you have to give that person like a Ben Affleck. Like the benefit of the doubt, yeah. You have sure. to give him that that he's gonna show up to be a professional. Now we all hear stories as a movie is filming that there is the that 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 clashing of heads and maybe that's the time where you, where somebody has to sit down but i don't think that a gavin o'connor has earned the right to have that conversation with a person who's already proven a professionalism throughout a career to say hey man it depends how the conversation it depends how the conversation went but ultimately for me it's like well, why, why does it need to be out there in multiple interviews like have exactly. a conversation mm -hmm. if you want it you know, and that's behind closed doors because, you know, things get misinterpreted in every which way. Um, but don't state it outright. And I'm, uh, right, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I also I just wanted to say that I think it depends on how Ben Affleck took that conversation. If he was like, I totally agree, down, and like could continue on, if that caused that conflict, if, if this like alleged conversation that he's talking about caused conflict on set, you're not helping yourself. And so. It's interesting, as you said, to talk about it publicly as well. Like, if that's something that ne you feel the need to do, I'm sure Ben Affleck can handle it. But it's one of the... Like, if you're talking about it publicly, I'm not sure what the point is. Well, yeah, I mean, because the best way to handle that situation is... You know, because the question is... I think it's a really good question. How was it working... How was it directing an actor who was already set and, and has proven to be a really good director himself? How was it directing Ben Affleck? And the right... The right answer would have been, you know what? I was so looking forward to working together with him. And if he, I would take, you know, I would, I always look at this filmmaking process as a collaboration. I would listen to any advice that he may have because maybe I can learn, but maybe together we learn from one another. But it was an honor that he even decided to do my picture. I was thrilled to have him on set every day. He was a pleasure to work with. We had no problems whatsoever. We worked hard to make this movie. Boom. That's your answer. Right there. And you don't have to go into, like, well, I sat him down. And that, to me, is, like, it's it's a hubris. It's a kind of, like, I'm, I'm numero uno on set. you got to listen to me, and I'm going to put somebody yeah. down. By the way, the greater lesson is that the, the, the best, they don't fear anyone. No. In fact, they, they embrace other people because they want to learn. 
Yeah. So I, it's just ironic. Just the fact that we're having this conversation is so interesting in that, like, no one from the PR team, nobody stopped him from, he talked about it, you're right, in multiple interviews. Yeah. And you're, because it's so open to interpretation. Like, it could have been, like, not sitting him down, just like a little passing comment on Maybe set. Maybe a dinner. Yeah. No, I, I get that, but yeah, it shouldn't like, have, we shouldn't have known about it. Yeah. Like, it just, it didn't have to, he didn't have to bring it to light. Right, and I'm surprised that, in all honesty, the PR team didn't stop him. Like, yeah. after one time mentioning it like been like maybe not steer away from that i mean i i I think here's what ultimate you know it's one of those things um where he wants the credit right i think that's what he's going for is um and it's unfortunate because guess what now you got the credit the movie's not that great so thankfully ben doesn't have to fall on ben (laughs) you've taken now that responsibility away from him um but it had it turned out to be a fantastic movie and let's say an oscar contender then you know it's kind of patting yourself right off the bat uh, to be the one that gets the credit rather than, oh, well, you did it because you had Ben Affleck and he collaborated with you. No, no, no. It was all me. Yeah, and and, and again, you know, he's... I'm not even faulting his direction in this movie. Like, you know, I think he directed it fine. I just, you know... The action scenes were... It was fun watching Ben Affleck be a badass. When he was a badass and when he wasn't a badass, he was still fun to watch. Um... I enjoyed those aspects of the movie. He he got good performances, you know, as a director, he, he pulled out good performances for the material that they had to go with. There were still good performances. He, you know, he didn't bring anything new to the table when it comes to action. You know, we've seen that type of action done in the Jason Bourne movies and a Die Hard. We've seen that kind of handed John Wick. We've seen that kind of action happen already. So he didn't bring anything new to the table but I didn't find it to be poorly directed. I think the interpretation of the story got very muddled from what the original script may have been. I just, yeah, I, I just, unlike an Affleck or, or any, you know, Tarantino or whoever, like, if I watched this and I didn't know that it was Gavin, it doesn't have, like, a, a you know, a, his own flair to it, if you will. Right. Well, I think just in that we've been able to compare it to so many past movies. Like, we've sat at this table and compared it to so many movies. That would say that it probably, to us, wasn't something that at least was new to us. Right. Mm -hmm. And and again, when I look at Ben Affleck and what he's given thus far as a storyteller, as a director, Gone Baby Gone is a real, you know, based off of a noir Boston detective book. He did a really great adaptation made it very gritty, dark. He had great performances. Uh, Casey Affleck is, you know, that's where I noticed him, where he shined. Then he does The Town, a Boston gangster kind of a movie, which, again, wasn't your typical gangster movie. Um, It could have fallen into cliche, but it became an original great story that even had a heart and a nice romance thing, you know. And then um, Argo, you know, based off a true story, and he made a really vast, entertaining, thrilling movie and you know, in which he starred in as well, you know. I mean, he he can do it. Um, you know, maybe if this movie was in his hands, he probably just didn't have time. The Accountant may have been a different movie. I'm li- I'm looking forward to the movie that you expected, Live by Night. I think that's the name of the movie that he directed. That's coming out soon. It's a good trailer. Yeah, by the way, it's um, great. It's great. Yeah. So you know, I I just think that yes, he probably Gavin O'Connor probably should have couched that or just not said anything at all um so alright well enough about Gavin let's move on to production because it did look great 
Mm-hmm. Um, and Marissa, you actually had a lot of uh, these notes, so I'll let you kind of open it up. Right. Um, I, I liked how uh, it, it looked because it, it was more like a saturated kind of grayish tone overall, okay. and it, it didn't really feel like a happy movie. But there, <laughs> but it was you know, just visually. I mean, it was very bright, but it was very gray in color, and I, I thought that was uh, pretty interesting. But they filmed it on thirty-five millimeter, yes. which. Yes, to me too. A little bit yeah, rare yeah. nowadays. Yeah, uh, uh-huh. uh, Seamus, or is it Seamus? Seamus. Seamus. Seamus McGarvey, uh, um, you know, he's he shot on 35mm, and um, the accountant being one of them. And, you know, he goes into, now he says something that I find very interesting, especially from a, from a cinematographer today. You know, he says that film gives you flexibility to go into any direction, which I thought... Wait, doesn't digital give you the flexibility to go in any direction? Because if you put something on film and it doesn't quite come up the way you want it to, that means you got to go back and film it again. It was an interesting quote, but obviously this this is a guy who was brought up on film. And um, I appreciate that, you know, it was shot uh, with this Panaflex XL and, con- and he converted to handheld Steadicam for action. Mm-hmm. And I really... You know, and the other thing, he shot this spherically in widescreen uh, uh, 2.39. So it was a cinemascope movie. Uh, a lot I, of westerns are done that way. A lot of westerns, but a lot of like bigger movies. Um, I saw this movie just because it was available in the Showtime. Not that I would have picked the movie to the accountant to say, "Wow, <laughs> this is a this is a movie I got to see in XD." But I did see it in that format. And it filled the screen up nicely. The sound mix, I gotta say, especially during that gunfight in XD, was fantastic as well. But the movie did look good. It didn't look, uh, it didn't look overblown. It didn't look like it was blown up to fit this format, which is really cool. And and you know, he said uh, talking about the final shootout, he said it was tricky. Um, because he had to film in this inky blackness, mm-hmm. and he it the movie it became grittier, and he loves doing that. And this kind of a movie, and it works. Now whether it added a realism, I, I know they tried to go for realism, but there was a little bit of a hyper realism. Like he was the entire movie's a little hyper real. Yeah, even though they didn't use slow motion, which I was very mm-hmm. very appreciative with, and even though he said he used handheld, I didn't. I didn't really get that jiggly kind of thing from it at all. So from a cinematography standpoint, the movie looked great. Yeah, beautiful. I mean, it was... And also I love kind of the way that they told the story in terms of like when it was... Like the lighting was phenomenal also in it. Mm -hmm. Like when it was supposed to be light and small town, you got that. When it was supposed to be, you know, dark and and gritty there was definitely lighting differences that i noticed specifically and i don't always notice lighting in a movie and this one it was great i noticed <laughs> it specifically from his house yeah. to his trailer yes the trailer yeah. was warm, warmer brown orange a little bit orange like autumnish but just comfortable yeah comfortable i noticed yeah. it too and mm. like being someone who actually comes from Illinois, I like the storytelling. Like we were in this place, in this place, in this place. I was like, I grew up like forty-five minutes away from all of this, so like I know exactly where to mentally picture it. When they were like figuring out, oh, he lives here. I was like, oh yeah, 
That makes sense. Even though the, ironically it was filmed in Georgia, but I, was like, I understood say, did, the lay of the land. Did that bother you? Sometimes that bothers me in a film when I know the location and it's like supposed to be San Francisco and it's clearly LA. <laughs> clearly not. <laughs> um, not not so much because there's really not. This sounds terrible. There's really not a lot in Illinois other than Chicago, and we had the Chicago shots, uh, skyscrapers here sure. and there, but. It really didn't, I think it was just a backdrop. It didn't add to the story more so. It's just the fact that, hey, we're going to be in Chicago. Yeah. But I, I like the mention of Joliet and Naperville and Plainfield. I drive through Plainfield all the time. Like, I, I know where all these locations are, so. Um, and by the way, this is a man, Seamus, uh, he did a famous uh, atonement, like, seven-minute tracking shot or however it ended up being. Yeah. Um, so this guy can do a steady cam. Well. Yeah, yeah. And he filmed, and, and again, this is another thing that, that, that you credit to uh, cinematogra- cinematography, directing, and editing. I never found the action in this movie to be confusing. Like, I knew exactly what was going on. It wasn't too close. It didn't fast cut, so I didn't know who the hell was where or what. It made it a point to show who he was fighting and attacking, who the pursuers were, who, the, you know, who was being pursued. Um, and I find that to be, especially in today's action world, to f- to follow action today, I find that to be refreshing. Yeah, this movie to me, almost in terms of that, like the long shots and all of that, it felt like a movie out of another era. In, mm-hmm. in some ways, it, it it like had modern things in it, and it clearly was meant to be a current film, but also just like th- kind of a throwback in a lot of the way that it was shot. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, we can agree. Very good cinematography. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and editing. You know, like, so, again, yeah, so this I, could have been edited to a, to a way that it was it looked like it was cut with a buzzsaw. I think the sound editing was awesome uh-huh. in the fight oh, scenes. So like, great. Especially when, like, the close confined quarters of fighting in a bathroom, that whole sink hit. I was like, yeah. oh, I would not want to be hit by that. Yeah. But I, I think, like, the action was... And the sound was done very well. Oh, I, like I said, I, I saw it in, in an XD format, which has, like, the Barco... Like the, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, speakers in the ceiling and whatnot, and boy howdy, like guns were like bullets were flying over my head. I'm like, this sounds great. Like for an action movie of this caliber, like the fight scenes sounds good. You know, it's, how's the uh, marker writing? Well, the orchestra, the orchestral score, sort of kind of trumped it. Yeah, sort of kind of trumped it. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, I thought, um, in terms of editing, I thought overall really good. Uh, I, I could have used a little bit, if we cut down certain things, um, I wouldn't have minded too much, but overall, I, uh, you know, it was fast-paced, so I didn't necessarily mind it. Um, and I, I give them credit, I, I, you know, I, I think for what they had to work with, they did a good job. Yeah. I felt like if they had trimmed down this movie just in time a bit, like, I think it was a little over, over two, two hours. Over two hours. and seven mm-hmm. minutes, give or take. Right. And I, I felt like if they'd made an hour, 45, hour, and 50 minute movie, I would have liked it just a little bit more. Just trim trim it. There were moments where I just felt like you could get rid of this scene and it wouldn't take anything away. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, so let's talk numbers. Um Overall domestic, uh, as of the 16th, um, we have 24.7 million. Um, worldwide, 27.9. So, uh, against the budget, 
Production budget of 44, estimated about 75 million all in. Yeah. Um, Hard drives, advertising, all that fun stuff. You know, I mean, domestically, as of yesterday's numbers, uh, you know, it was at, it was up to uh, 31, almost 32 million dollars. Um, you know, foreign as of yesterday, but 3.6. So you got about 35, almost 35 and a half worldwide. Um, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting. They picked a very interesting weekend to come out, and and I understand, and I get why they did it, because this weekend we've got the Tom Cruise Jack Reacher movie, uh, a sequel to Reacher, but they've been doing, they've been really promoting the movie, and it's it's yet another action movie. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how The Accountant holds up. Um, you know, it got a cinema score of an A, so the audience, the audiences, according to the cinema score polling... Liked it from a review standpoint. It was sort of half and half, forty nine percent last check on Rotten Tomatoes. So that goes either way. Um, it's going and with what it bought, with what it did its opening weekend, it was a little bit of a surprise to people. I think it was tracking a little bit lower than the twenty five. Let's just call it twenty five mm-hmm. million that it did. You know, right now I, I think people are looking at reacher numbers to be. Anywhere from 20 to 25 as well. It'll be interesting to see how much it holds up its second week and, and how much Reacher could take away from that second weekend because you've got Tom Cruise, who's. And then, uh, whenever I, he's running, his movies make money. Yeah. <laughs> and, and interestingly enough, like it, although it's a comedy, uh, it's an action comedy with Keeping Up with the Joneses. Right? True. Somewhat. Yeah. True. Somewhat. No, you know, true. At least that's the way it's advertised. I have not yet seen it, so true. I don't know 100%. But. No, I mean there is that. I mean we won't, you know, review wise for that one. I'm not sure how it'll stack up against the accountant and Jack Reacher, but I think those are the two movies. You know, you know, you're gonna have Reacher versus the accountant. Uh, it'll just be interesting to see how the accountant, and albeit they did really well with audiences, to see how it holds up against the similar genre type movie that has a bigger star. Is it a far reach that they can account for a lot of the box office this weekend? Account? Yeah, yeah. Reacher, perhaps. <laughs> That's a good one. I like it. There you go. That's what I'm here for. Oh, you got that one by the numbers. <laughs> I did. I wanted to have a spirited round of uh, potential sequel names. The account in the red. H&R Block knows nothing. <laughs> This is the mo- this is the most exciting bookkeeping movie since H and R Block's bow ties. <laughs> like, you know, oh man. What did um, you think of the marketing of this movie? Since we're talking a little marketing, I didn't even know because I thought it was a completely different movie. <laughs> so I'm the world's worst person to ask. I mean, I just knew it was like Ben Affleck in the accountant. Like to me, yeah. that was the takeaway. Like more or less, like. Well, I saw the trailer for it. I got that it was going to have some action in it. But, like, for me, the big selling point and what I think they sold it on was that Ben Affleck in The Accountant is The Accountant. Yeah. I've seen the trailer a few times before I went to go see it, only because of the other movies we've covered here. And I knew Ben Affleck and Anna Kendrick, and that was it. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was it was, uh, it was interesting because what I took away from the trailer was that this was going to be a more suspenseful movie. That this is going to be like almost an espionage kind of movie. Like, is he working for the government? Which he was, in a sense. Or the government was working for him. I don't know what we figured out on that. But I, 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 I thought that it would have been more... I thought it was like going to be the suspenseful 
espionage movie, which it tried to be, uh, but at the same time, but then it ended up being more of an action movie, um, I felt. Yeah, yeah, I thought that it, it had the potential of of having uh, kind of smart, like a smart action movie. I'm trying to think of an example, and I, I keep kind of coming back to Moneyball, like that, like lots of conversation. I guess there wasn't so much action in Moneyball, but this kind of thing, and it, it didn't get there. For yeah, me. I mean, I keep on thinking of a movie like, um, like a Three Days of the Condor, mm-hmm. kind of. Mm-hmm. Susp- I thought it was going to be that type of a suspense thriller kind of thing, which it it wanted to be. Sort of, kind of like that, mm-hmm. but oh well. Yeah. Um. So overall, I mean, it'll be interesting. Uh, I, I, I'm curious as to his follow-up movie, uh, for Gavin O'Connor, just because uh, you know Warrior obviously got a lot of praise. Uh, we'll see. What are your thoughts on? Uh, because again, this was brought up to Gavin O'Connor. I mean, do we see a sequel in this? I don't think I'm not interested. Yeah, I'm not interested. I I thought about it at the end of the film because no one really like the main characters that we've been following along the whole movie, like whether it be the accountant or Anna Kendrick's character or like all the sub characters too. No, no one died, so I'm like, okay, so everyone's still alive. They have the potential to come back, but I can't really see another story coming out of this. I would need it to be like a real turn, like something like he. He has, like, he's given up accounting. He, there's something that's, like, changed dramatically for him. And obviously he's not giving up accounting. It's called The Accountant. But, <laughs> you know, but, but it's funny because I liked... One of the aspects of the movie and characters that I liked in this movie was, was the fact that he was an accountant and that he helped that farm couple with their house. I, I enjoyed and that saved scene. saved their life. Yeah, but it was a good, you know, but it was a good scene, too, when they're in his office and they said, so how big is this? Where you work from? Oh, it's about nine point. Oh, it's about ten. Yeah, and it's like oh, and how and 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 how often do you drive? How many miles do you drive? And he's like, oh, you know, he helps and saves this family so much that they have him over and he's practicing his shooting and he ends up saving them. That that was a great scene, by the yeah. way. The, yeah. the, 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 those scenes, I love. Like that was a good shootout, hand to hand fight scene. And he protects that family, um, but I, I just don't know where you go with this either. I that, or I think I think you need more fun with it. Like Jack Reacher, I mean Tom Cruise is fun in that movie. Uh, Mission Impossible, he's fun in that. And I'm trying to think of other sort of, you know, Jason Bourne, fun. Yeah. I don't think though Ben Affleck would anticipate this becoming a franchise. Like he's doing the franchise thing with like Batman, ba- with Batman. like in Argo. Yeah, no, like, okay. <laughs> he doesn't need um, he doesn't need to be in another franchise. Like this is not. I feel like he took this role to do an interesting character. He's not looking for it to become a three movie like. I think almost any actor would like to have as many franchises. I mean, look what Harrison Ford pulled off, but I think any actor. But again, I'm just not sure where it goes. Um, There's one question we haven't really talked about. The quote-unquote twist at the end. Did you see that coming at all? Oh, with the voice? Yeah, that that, that girl with autism was the one. I don't even really think it was like a twist. It was just more of a reveal that I was like, okay, who's the assistant? Oh, okay, that makes sense. But like, I liked how it kind of concluded with Anna Kendrick's character. Like, there's that whole sweet conversation. Oh, is that a real Pollock? 
painting, I was like, oh, that's going to come back. And then at the end, I was like, yeah, there it is. Well, see, I, and I looked at it as, oh, he got her the painting with the dogs. Because I thought that that was even no, a more I immediately knew it was Pollock. Yeah. yeah. But, but like, so yeah, you didn't find Pollock. that reveal of that, that girl being the voice on the phone? Like, she was the I one mean, that it, was... It passing was, out the jobs. It was cool, but the movie literally ended that I didn't. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, I guess. And that was it. For me, I never wondered who the assistant was throughout the movie. Like, that wasn't a question that came up. There were so many other things going on that I was paying attention to that I never thought about, like, oh, who is that? And then I was like, oh, that's interesting, but it didn't, like, add much for me. I yeah, guess. exactly. I was like, all right, now that we know, do I feel any different? <laughs> Not really. Yeah, I think that was supposed to be a big twist. Like, this girl, like, you know, I think because they, well, they sure at the end, like, why the hell do you have a computer that can run, you know, that can run the Pentagon? What do you, oh, I don't know, I didn't even know it's, she, she's in the computers, and then when she gets on it, you find out she's the quote-unquote voice. She's, you know, and she's also the person who's parsing out Ben Affleck's jobs, like telling her, go to the robotics company, go see what the books are in the Gambino family, go do this, and... How is she finding out about all this stuff? Is it because she's... That could be the sequel. (laughs) (laughs) You make it about her. I mean, that's what... um, I I thought if you really wanted a sequel, that's where it would be like, um, you know, you have her and be like, hey, I have your next assignment. Get, you know, you got a boom, 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 and then fade to black, cut to black, whatever. Um, Again, it, it... Out of all the things that they chose to, like, completely wrap up, in a, in a nice bow, this is what they chose. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, okay, thanks. Yeah. All right. What about the brother? Are you gonna? Are you driving off to have lunch with your brother? Like, yeah, I what, think what, so. what, what are you doing? Yeah, I think they're going to Fuddruckers. Oh, okay. Yeah. I love Fuddruckers. <laughs> um, all right. So yeah, there you have it. Um, any other stray observations that you're just dying to share? <laughs> stray? No. Mm. All right. Mm. Although I wouldn't mind him doing my taxes. Because if anybody's going to come after me, he, he's got it. Yeah. Yeah. Do I pay extra for that? I don't think you can afford him. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I think that's what he'll tell you after like one minute. Be like, uh, there's no way you can afford me. Well, well, did anybody else find it perfect irony that, that the name of his accounting firm was Z, 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 Z. It's like when you're, which Z, Z, Z is symbolic for falling asleep. Because yeah. he's an accountant. See, I, I just found the irony to be entertaining. <laughs> that it's Z's accounting. Fair enough. It's copying Z's. I didn't really. I, I knew that that's what it was, but I mean, I, I mean, didn't read too much into it. Yeah. I thought it was more interesting that they figured out that he was laundering money through all the other things in his like random the strip mall. That's right. That was it. Well. Um, alrighty, in the meantime, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, let us know your thoughts and opinions. Obviously, uh, we gave some strong opinions, especially about Kevin <laughs> O'Connor. So if you feel differently, please let us know and, uh, you know, politely bash us, if you will, and why you disagree. <laughs> Don't just be like you assholes. Just, just give a reason. Yeah. Politely bash. And, yeah, politely bash. That's okay. I, I can almost take it. Uh, <laughs> and, I, and I stress almost. Uh, so, uh, in the meantime, where can we follow you? You can support me on Twitter at, at dmovies1701. So that's at dmovies1701. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Stephanie Wenger. You can follow me on Twitter at Serafini TV. And uh, we've got great movies coming up. Um, what is it? Um, now I'm blank. Well, Jack Reacher. 
We've got Jack Reacher in the pipeline. Um, we're debating between uh, keeping up with the Joneses and Ouija, The Origin of Evil, uh, Inferno. I'm sure we've got coming up, um, and we've got uh, the. the Hopefully the whole Oscar slate still coming up because I'm still wondering which one of these yeah. is an Oscar contender. <laughs> yeah. Um, so definitely, and uh, as we talked about the Ben Affleck movie that's coming out, uh, not for a bit, but Fantastic soon enough. Fantastic Beasts, uh, and, you oh, know, that's exciting. We've got um, we have Rogue uh, um, One eventually. Even before Rogue One, we've got Doctor Strange coming that's up right. shortly in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. Uh, so we're excited for that. And um, uh, speaking of. Um, John Wick, we've done that in Anatomy of a Movie, so definitely check that out. Uh, we mentioned the big short. So all these movies have Gone a sort Girl. of... Me- Gone Girl. <laughs> Monster Moneyball. What, what was uh, it? I don't think Moneyball. we did Moneyball. No, never, yeah. before we knew each other, really. Yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> I know, it feels like we've known each other forever. That's why we love each other. Definitely check out our archives. Um, you don't have to watch every show that we do, although we would love if you did, but uh, at least the ones for the movies that you've seen. So um, that, that means a lot to us, the fact that you take time out of any of your day to either watch or listen to us. Um, you know, can't say enough. It definitely means a lot. So, And I want to say thank you, Dallas. And the person Dallas, Dallas the city? Is, yes, thank you, Dallas. Apparently, we're big in Dallas. All right. Oh, nice. so right. Good to know. All right. Bye. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the rest of the Anatomy of a Movie staff, we would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or tweet us. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been Anatomy of a Movie. Views expressed here are those of the host only, not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.